Hello and welcome to episode 130 of TLDR Podcast. Um, if you don't follow our Twitter or Instagram, this episode came out a couple days late. Reason being, Traden and Alex. Yeah, blame them. But also, it's kind of cool. We got a couple of extra days off. Um, but Traden and Alex were doing something on Monday, and we couldn't really pull off Tuesday. So then here we are at Wednesday, doing some fun stuff on a Wednesday night, recording the podcast for you guys. Thank you, everybody who listened. We had another 300-plus listen episode, so we're growing, and it's awesome. Traden, how was your week, man? How was your day? Uh, week was good. Um, I headed off to Miami for a conference. Um, I'm not even going to say what kind of conference it was because I would see the glossy eyes that I see every time I talk about my work, um, <laughs> so I won't even go there. Um, but I did have fun. It was fantastic. Uh, got up at 1 a.m., 1.30 uh, Pacific time. And was home by nine or no, was back home by 1030. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a tough day, but not but not really. I mean, it's just on a plane, but uh, I'm I'm here. I'm ready to I'm ready to pot with the boys. Yeah. And also, if you guys all know, Trayden hates basketball, but went to a Miami Heat game in Florida. I did. That was really fun. That was a, it was a great game to go to um, uh, lead change, big lead change towards the end. I really thought it I don't pull it off, but Miami just just had a fantastic end, and it was it was lots of fun to watch uh, to watch the who who Trey Trey uh, Trey and um, and uh, buckets go at it. Trey and who buckets? Jimmy buckets. <laughs> I love that newest basketball fan on the planet, Trayden Reed. He's also a transponster. That's what he does for a living. Transponster. Alex. <laughs> Alex was also not available on Monday because he was doing fun things on the slopes. Alex, tell us all about it. Yeah, uh, so I didn't go. Uh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I started driving down. Uh, I was going to go with my brother. Uh, we were going to drive up to Mammoth, and I was almost at the grapevine. And my brother called me and said, Hey, it's dumping snow again. They're closing the pass up to Mammoth. So I said, Okay, bye, David, and turned around and drove home. Uh, <laughs> trip number three, where too much snow has ruined it for me uh... this year already because it's been crazy horrible maybe it's a sign that maybe you shouldn't go snowboarding up in mammoth man i disagree <laughs> or not yeah I out. You perseverance is key <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tyler, you get out there. There for weeks on end bro like it's on you <laughs> You'll get it out. and uh last but not least we got tyler doing a baseball thing talking about baseball stuff and working his baseball job Sounds pretty baseball-esque and pretty boring, but the World Baseball Classic started last night, so that was cool. Tyler, did you watch it? And tell us about your week. Yep, yep. Uh, boring oh. is not the word that I would use for it. I'm having a good time. Uh, yeah, we got spring training, college baseball's in full swing. World Baseball Classic started yesterday, um, so I'm excited for that, watching those games. Uh, Team USA will be kicking off pretty soon here, and I've been looking at their Instagrams and stuff, and just it, it is that team is so loaded. It's unreal. I'm so excited to watch them start playing in playing in uh, some some actual games um i believe they played the giants day in like an exhibition um i didn't see what the score was but hopefully they kick their ass um that would be the expected outcome anyway um and yeah lmo is doing good uh we won our weekend series against riverside over the weekend and then we beat uh, uc irvine on tuesday night uh, which is a big deal they were 10 and 1 going in that game and then we uh this weekend we're going to vanderbilt which is uh if you guys know anything about college baseball is one of the most storied college baseball programs in the country. So I'm going to go to, go to go to Nashville for the first time. So I'm excited to see that. Um, and we're going to play Vanderbilt and we'll see how 
how we can compete against those guys because they're a top 10 team in the country right now. So uh, we'll see how we do, but excited excited for that trip and that uh, chance to go see uh, Vanderbilt. Long story short, if you're going to bet on college baseball this weekend, bet heavy on Vanderbilt sweeping. <laughs> oh, shit. Also, Tyler, wow. real fast. Did you watch the World Baseball Classic last night? I didn't watch it live, um, but I watched the highlights of the um, Chinese Taipei and Panama and the um, Netherlands and Cuba games. Okay. Alex, did you watch the game, the uh, Cuba-Netherlands game at all? Uh, no, I was watching Anthony Davis have a monster night, so I did not watch it. <laughs> oh, he did. He had like 30 and 22. Yeah. Gasol got his jersey retired. Holy shit. Heartwarming moment. It was great. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the point I was trying to make is that Cuban pitcher who started throws gas. Why is he not in the league? I don't know. Oh my God, he's good. That is all. Okay, we're going to get into the episode you have now. to see what his competition was. I mean, if you're talking about who, who is who, who are they playing? The Netherlands, Xander Bogarts, uh, one of the better teams. Glorious, uh, Jonathan Shope, Shope, Shope. There we go. Like it's an MLB level talent on the Netherlands team. So like he was striking him out, and Tyler bet the over on two point five, and he had like five. So that was that was a plus. Nailed it. Um, Yeah, Tyler did nail that. That was the only one that hit. So ah, fuck. (laughs) Like I said, anyway, we're gonna get into the meat of the episode here. Tyler is going to start off. He's going to lead off with his baseball segment talking uh-huh. about the ALNL Central Division previews. Hell yeah. Uh, James, I appreciate the uh, pun there. Love that. Uh, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the, the World Baseball Classic is underway. Um, haven't gotten a chance to watch any games live yet, but hopefully tonight or the next night I'll be able to kind of watch some of those. Um, hopefully you're watching them. So group play has started. Um, and that's exciting, man. It's 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 exciting to see these countries. It's, it's been a long time since we had that that atmosphere um, I know some of the games are being played in kind of the, the Chinese Taipei area and watching them, you know, they ended up getting their asses kicked by uh, Panama, but the atmosphere is awesome. So um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, so this week on the podcast, we're doing our division previews and we were doing the American league and national league central divisions, uh, which, you know, arguably some of the worst divisions in the league right now, uh, but we'll see what the, what the guys think uh, last year out of all, all the te- all 10 teams, only two, of the teams com- combined uh, made the postseason last year. Um, we'll see how it goes this year, but uh, we're going to kick it off with the American league central division. Um, and we're going to kick it off with the Chicago white Sox. Um, so again, it's kind of same, same deal. We're going to do, you know, um, uh, something, uh, an, an area of optimism and an area of concern for, for, for each team. And then at the end, we'll kind of predict how the divisions will finalize at the end of the year. So James, you have the Chicago white Sox. 2022, you know, I think arguably the most disappointing team in all of baseball. They had, you know, uh, a, a deep postseason run was kind of their goal, and they uh, finished exactly 500, 81, 81, second place in the division, missed the postseason. Um, kind of a lot of a lot, a lot has changed in the offseason. Uh, they added uh, starting pitcher Mike Clevenger, outfielder Andrew Benintendi, and infielder Elvis Andrews. Um, you know, this team is assembled right now. You know, not much has changed. Um, obviously, they had they had a lot of injury problems last year but uh kind of where do you see some reason for hope for the chicago white Sox team and what's what's your area of of, of concern i'm going to start with hope here uh, i think one of the biggest hope is that the fact that they have a pretty well-rounded lineup going into the season if they can stay healthy which is always a big if for those chicago white Sox. Uh, but they have a pretty strong one-two punch in luis robert and eloy jimenez those two back to like they're good hitters they're solid players and then 
Everybody else is solid off the back. There isn't any like minor league level players in the lineup at all. These are tried and true MLB talents in that lineup who you can always rely on. So that's a hope. The worry is that they did lose their best player in Jose Abreu, who is now an Astro. That's tough. And also your closer, Liam Hendricks, is out for an indefinite period of time due to cancer, which is never good to hear. But the fact that you lose your best player in terms of war, in terms of everything in production, he's now gone from your team. And then your closer on top of that, it's, it's kind of spells disaster. It's, you know, you got your best player, your closer, those are you're pretty much two bookends. And now you're like, okay, well, how are we going to fill this void? That's a tough one. Yeah, those are those are two huge names that um, you know. Won't, I mean, obviously, um, Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu has moved on, and um, hopefully, Liam Hendricks. You know, wishing obviously wishing him a speedy recovery, and hopefully, he gets uh, well soon, and we'll be back in a baseball uniform at some point. But yeah, I mean, those those are you know, like I said, your current your former MVP and your closer. Those are two very important positions that they will not have. Um, you know, and kind of it, it's it's going to be an interesting year for the White Sox. I think last year was was a huge disappointment. You know, in terms of the roster currently assembled, James, I think you're right. I mean, they're they're still a pretty good team. I think they're well-rounded. They don't really have any areas that are, like, of major concern. It's just, can they stay healthy? And they, they're going to need some guys to step up. And I think the, you know, the, 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 the common theme with this division is that it's pretty wide open. There's not really a, a, a team that's for sure, like, the top of this division. So they certainly have a shot. Um, let's move on to the Cleveland Guardians, the defending AL Central champions. Um, in 2022, they won 92 games. As I, as I mentioned, they won the division, ended up losing to the Yankees in the American League Division Series. Um, in the offseason, they added first baseman Josh Bell and catcher Mike Zunino. Um, pretty pretty standard, um, you know, kind of uh, Guardians lineup here. Um, you know, pr- pretty pretty low payroll. Um, that's pretty typical of them, but they always seem to find a way to be competitive. So, trade and you have this Cleveland Guardians team. Uh, one reason for hope and one reason for concern for 2023. Well, I think for for me, you know, um, the Cleveland Guardians are kind of that team, like you said, that, you know, they're, they're a lower payroll team that that just finds a way to to be competitive, much like the Rays, much like um, what Miami is trying to do. Uh, and then the Guardians are also have, you know, Jose Ramirez and they have, um, you know, who's kind of the the guy. I mean, he's he's the MVP. He's the 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 if you want to call him the mayor of the guardians, he's the mayor of the guardians. Like he's, he's who you look at. Right. Um, and then the emergence of Andres, Andres Jimenez, I think is a big, you know, is a big notable um, potential one, two punch in superstar, you know, you know, pizzazz there. Um, and I think that that, that alone is just enough to, to make this uh, another potentially another competitive team, um, especially in a week, week division. Um, and I, I guess that leads me to my biggest weakness is, is there's just too many questions on the rotation. I think um, I just don't know what you're going to get out of that. It could be good. Um, but I just think there's too many questions. And I think we'd like to have answers before we even, you know, go further. Um, th- they're projected to have a regression, which suggests that they probably were, were a little bit of an overachiever last year, but you know, the play, the players played well. And, and, and who knows if, if, if you have a, if, if you have, if you find some answers on the on the pitching side, and you get some, you get some offense from uh from you know your 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 big players as well as the rest of the the players on the uh on the you know in the field, I think that you'll be a team that that competes and could easily win this division and 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 uh punch their ticket to another berth in the playoffs. Absolutely, yeah, trade and I agree. I think the rotation past uh, Bieber and McKenzie is definitely kind of a little bit of a wild card, and not only really sure what we're going to expect from those guys, but. 
you know, the Guardians are kind of one of those teams that just always seem to have some young up and coming arm and come comes up and does does really well. It's kind of just kind of one of their MOs. Um, so we'll see how the Guardians perform in 2023. Uh, moving on to um, some some a cu- couple of really shitty teams. Uh, the, the the Detroit Tigers uh, is, is 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 one of those. 2022, 66 and 96, uh, believe it or not, was not the worst in division. They finished in fourth place. Obviously, missed the postseason. Um, this is a team that you know has been bad for a long, long time. Um, I don't know if it's going to get much better, but James, we'll, we'll see what you think. In the offseason, all they really did was they they added a starting pitcher, uh, Michael Lorenzen. Other than that, pretty much kind of same Tigers squad. You know, maybe a couple of young guys that might have some potential. Javier Baez is on that team for some reason. Um, but James, what do you think of this 2023 Tigers squad? I mean, it's hope. Okay, we're going to talk hope first because that's what we're optimists here. Uh, the hope is the good thing that's going on with the Tigers is that they have a new GM in Scott Harris. And I think he's actually going to do a legitimate rebuild instead of doing what Alex Avila did and threw money at aging vets like Javier Baez for the after they went over 400 for the first time in like four years. They won like 77 games in 21. And they were like, oh, my God, we're contenders now. Let's throw money at these vets and see what happens. You just screwed your future. That was terrible. Don't do that again. And so Alex Avila is gone. Scott Harris is in, and I'm hoping he does it the right way by learning from Alex Abel's mistakes. That's a hope. The worry, pretty much the entire team, but if we're going to zero in on something, it's a sketchy pitching staff headed by uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. This is the same dude who was really good, and then he signed with the Tigers, pitched a little bit, was out for a long period of time for an undisclosed reason last season. I think he only played 16 games total, but he's like the head of this rotation. He's the best guy in this rotation. And he's followed, like you said, by Matthew Boyd and Michael Lorenzen. Michael Lorenzen and Angel fans know him well. The only thing he's good for is his biceps, man. He's got massive biceps, but can't throw a strike to save his life. So that's tough. Yeah, James, I agree with you. Um, hopefully the, the change of guard in the GM position for, for Detroit will be a good thing. You know, um, uh, uh, Vila was there for a very long time. So hopefully, you know, kind of moving towards a, a different direction for the tigers will be will be a positive change for them you know it's probably it's, it's, it's gonna it's gonna take some time um yeah this team is not that good like you said you know that rotation is not something to um you know kind of be confident in um so again i i, I think it's going to be another long year unfortunately there for detroit uh, moving on to another team that's been reeling for quite some time maybe not quite as long as the tigers have but uh still a while is the kansas city royals uh, 2022, they finished in dead last with 65 wins. Um, in the off season, they added some some uh, relief pitchers in Ryan Yar- Yarbrough and uh, Aroldis Chapman, which is again another pl- really good player on a really shitty team that doesn't make any sense. But that's where we are. Um, a team with a lot of young talent. Um, you know, Bobby Wood Jr. in in particular. You know, a rising star in this game. Um, other than that, kind of just not a really complete team, a team that's really kind of poised to be competitive in 23. But Trayden, what do you think about this team? A reason for hope and a reason for concern? Well, let's start with the concern. Um, and I think it kind of just it just kind of spins off of what you just said. I think that, you know, besides their their strength, which I'm going to be talking about later, um, there's really not much to be desired. There's a lot of intriguing young players here, but they're just there's just a huge question mark all over. Um, you know, I, I just don't know if they have a, an inability to, to build a roster that just can, can compete. I mean, 
it just seems like they just make weird moves that just don't make sense. Like they're kind of they're kind of like the Vancouver Canucks of the of the of the of the MLB. Like you don't know what direction they're gonna go. Like what the fuck are you doing? Are you trying to to compete or are you trying to rebuild? You can't do both. You ha- you got to pick one. And they're just kind of in that. Uh, you know, they just make moves that just kind of make you scratch your head. Um, but on the strength side, I think I think like you said, you have. I I also, you know, you have to give credit to the young players, the young, intriguing players that they have. Um, Bobby Witt Jr. is 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 legit. I think I think it, you know, it mentioned that he might have some issues defensively, but offensively, he, you know, he's he's solid, and you can and he's he's very solid, and you can assume that his defensive side is going to improve. Um, um, and I think and I think um, Zach Greinke's, you know, it's always great to have him, but beyond that, you, you know, there's not much to be desired, but. I think I think they'll win some games. I just don't see a roster that can consistently win enough to be in any anyone's bucket of uh, playoff contention. Yeah, Trey, I agree. You know, I think it's again, it's just a, a team that you know is trying to get back to contention, but just really, just roster wise, it's, it's just not there. There's just there's just not enough. Um, to me, I think the one of the biggest disappointments of the, this Royal squad. Everyone talks about how many good pitching prospects they have, but none of them have really panned out yet. So um, maybe in twenty three that'll be different. But but we will see. Uh, moving on to the final team in the AL Central, we have the Minnesota Twins. Uh, in 2022, they uh, were 78 and 84, good enough for third place in the division. Obviously, missed the postseason. Uh, in the offseason, they added uh, catcher Christian Vasquez. They added Joey Gallo um, and starting pitcher Pablo Lopez, which I think was a sneaky, really good move for them. And then, of course, they uh, ended up with Carlos Correa back in their uh, system. You know, with with all the crazy drama that we've discussed with Correa. Um, so the Minnesota Twins, Alex, you know, this, this is your team and another really intriguing team. I feel like in this division, um, I think they could potentially have a pretty good year, but I think they kind of need some good things going for them. Um, but what do you view as a reason for hope and a reason concern for the Twins? Yeah. Reason for hope. Uh, you led the division for four and a half months out of the season last year. Um, you know, you get Carlos Correa back. You still have Byron Buxton, who. Again, it's a big health question, but when he's on the field, potential top five player in baseball. Um, you know, hope you're hoping for a resurgence from Joey Gallo. Um, you know, potentially not the, uh, you know, the bright lights of New York or Los Angeles, and you know, a little bit smaller of a market might help. Plus, the shift going away could potentially help him as well. Uh, in there, this is the first time in a while you kind of look at their rotation and think, yeah, those are five real. MLB pitchers like it's not you know kind of three number twos and then some guys you're like who uh but area of concern Byron Buxton can't stay healthy I don't think he's played over 100 games in five years or something like that and they don't have an ace um you know you look at teams that really go on to compete and you know try to win World Series they have ace pitchers um and it just doesn't seem like you know as good as Pablo Lopez and Joe Ryan and Kenta Maeda can be, they're not a number one, um, you know, so we'll, we'll have to see. I feel like if everything goes right for the twins, they could win the division. Um, they could also end up third. Yeah, I agree. I think this it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, we'll just kind of see what happens with this twin squad. They had, they have the talent certainly to win this division. Um, and you know, like I said, it's, 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 it's a pretty wide open one. So let's get right to our predictions to where we think the AL central is going to finish when it's all said and done for 2023. Um, Trey, let's start with you where how, one through five, where do you see the AL central standings finishing? 
Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> bud, um, this, this is so so bad. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say Guardians again. I'm gonna say Guardians. Um, I'm gonna say White Sox, Twins, Royals, Tigers. Okay, so not much of a difference from from last year. No, um, very boring. James, what about you? <laughs> Guardians, Twins, White Sox, Tigers, Royals. Okay, Alex, I'm gonna go Guardians, Twins, White Sox, Royals, Tigers. Okay, um, any wild card teams making the postseason? No fucking no. Just whoever wins the division. Absolutely. Again, <laughs> yeah, I no, I I 100 agree. However, I think I'm gonna go. I'm 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 gonna pick the Twins to to win the AL Central this year. I got some faith in what they're what they got in Minnesota. Uh, the Guardians will be right there. I think it's going to be between the the Guardians and the, and the Twins for that division. Uh, White Sox are just going to be a you know a pretty eh team, and then Royals and Tigers will just battle it out for worst of the worst. Uh, so let's move on to the National League Central the Central Division. Again, a team uh, or a division last year that only had one rep- one representative, which was the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, the defending champs. Um, so let's get into this one. Uh, this again, it's another interesting division and then some teams that might be making some moves, maybe not. Uh, but we're going to start off with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, 2022, they were 74 and 88. Good enough for third place, missed the postseason. Offseason, they were they were very busy. Uh, so let's kind of list off what they did. They, they, they added outfielder Cody Bellinger, shortstop Dansby Swanson, starting pitcher Jamison Tyone, starting pitcher Drew Smiley, catcher Tucker Barnhart, first baseman Eric Hosmer, utility man Trey Mancini, starting pitcher Michael Fulmer, and infielder Edwin Rios. Quite a busy offseason. Um, so Alex, you, you, you got this Cubs team, you know, do you think those additions are enough for them to kind of move towards contention or kind of where do you see this team landing in 2023? The Swanson one feels like the beginning of them trying again, the rest of them and tie on, I guess, cause he was a four year deal. The rest of them feel a kind of a throw a dart and just see what you hit sort of situation. You know, if guys like, you know, Cody Bellinger, obviously we've talked about him a lot, former MVP, he could be great. He could be awful. No idea. Um, you know, Trey Mancini was great when he came, when he came back to the Orioles was really not, not much, um, you know, after he got traded to Houston, Eric Hosmer has been a disappointment pretty much since he signed that big deal in San Diego. So, um, you know, if everything goes right, they could potentially be fighting maybe sort of for a wild card. Uh, if things go wrong, you trade all, you know, pretty much anyone on that team, not named Dansby and Tyone and you end up fourth in division. So there's, they have a, I feel like this is one of those teams that has the widest win margin potential. Like if things go right, you could be pushing 85, 86, 88 wins, something like that. If things go wrong, 65 wins. <laughs> they could be anywhere in between. Yeah, it's definitely not a, a team you have a whole lot of trust in. Um, I think that that, that starting rotation, the, the starting pitching rotation too, for me is a is a big area of concern. I mean, Mark Marcus Stroman is essentially their ace. Who, you know, he's just he's he hasn't really been that that guy since his days in Toronto, like, you know, what six seven years ago? Yeah, six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, I think like I said, you know, you got some guys there that you know could potentially be very good, but like or potentially be, be very bad. Alex, I think you nailed it. So we'll see what happens to the Cubs, but I don't. 
I personally don't expect a whole lot from them. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm just curious to see how Cody Bellinger is going to do. I'm kind of curious, you know, I've got a little bit kind of the, you know, it's my kind of, you know, the, your X syndrome, you're just kind of watching to see how they do with, with somebody else kind of, kind of deal. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how Cody does in Chicago, uh, moving on to the Cincinnati Reds, uh, James, you got the Reds, uh, quite a fun team to, uh, talk about. I'm sure, uh, 2022, they lost a hundred games, uh, good enough for 62 wins fourth. They, again, not the worst fourth, fourth place in, in, in the, in the division, uh, in the off season, they really honestly did nothing. Um, so 2023, I mean, reason for hope if you got one and uh, reason for concern. I was going to be pissed at you for giving me like all the terrible teams, but then I realized all these teams suck. So it's not yeah. that bad. Right. Uh, Cincinnati Reds reason for hope. Tyler Stevenson's back and healthy. He only played 50 games last season, but those 50 games limited sample size. He had an average of 319, which is pretty damn good for a catcher. I like that. The coaching staff really likes him. They're looking to move him outside that catcher position and also put him in the DH spot and also put him at first base so he can have his bat in the lineup every single day. And with the numbers he put up, small sample size, like I said, but he could be in the conversation for one of the better catchers in this league because of that small sample size. And if he continues to build upon that, this kid could be really good. Reason for worry. They are statistically projected to have legitimately the worst lineup in the league. Joey Votto and Will Myers are projected to be the worst first baseman unit in the league. Uh, Kevin Newman projects to be the worst shortstop in the league. Spencer Steer is projected to be the worst third baseman in the league. Nick Senzel is projected to be the worst center fielder in the league, and he's always injured. So there you go. That's just a terrible lineup. Yeah, it's more or less, you know, a minor league team putting on a major league baseball uniform. Um, That's kind of what the Reds are going to be in 23 um sneak question for you james does joey Votto finish the season in a reds uniform if he continues if he's healthy no if he's not healthy yes all right i think for me that's kind of the biggest storyline is joey Votto and kind of where he ends up if anywhere else uh so moving on to the milwaukee brewers uh team that's been you know a competitive uh, postseason team for a while in 2022 they did not make the postseason they finished second with 88 wins but did not get a uh or sorry, 86 wins, but did not grab a postseason spot. Um, in the offseason, uh, they did add starting pitcher Wade Miley and infielder Brian Anderson. But other than that, you know, not a whole lot done in the offseason. They made a few trades, added a couple of small pieces. But other than that, you know, kind of this, this Brewers team is known for their starting pitching. They had some injuries last year. Um, but, you know, for more or less kind of the same Brewers mindset going into 23. So Alex, um, kind of looking at this division and kind of where they're headed, What's the one reason for hope and one reason for concern for the Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah, one reason to hope. Uh, the top three in that rotation could potentially be the top three in any rotation in baseball with Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. Um, you know, you still have some really good pieces there. Rowdy Telez, Adamas, you just don't know who or what Christian Yelich is anymore. Um, it, Jesse Winker, I think, got traded to them as well. Yeah. He could have, you know, did not have a great year in Seattle two years ago. And since he, he had a monster year. So if he could have a little bounce back in Milwaukee, that would be great. Uh, reason of concern, Milwaukee, you make some interesting choices. Um, you know, the Josh Hader deal, we all blew that up at the trade deadline last year. And the your best player on your team, Corbin Burns, you didn't want to give him another $500,000 or whatever it was during arbitration. And he's pretty much blown your team up 
publicly, which is not a good look uh, in any sense. So Brewers front office, you know, you, people talk about you as if you're great, but you, I don't, you're like kind of mid right now. I don't know what you guys are doing. Um, you could be great. You could be terrible. I still think, you know, you're lucky that this division's not very good. Yeah. Again, yeah, I, I would, I would agree the, the front office and their moves are, you know, they're kind of one of those weird teams that, you know, feels like they could definitely be a really good team. If you just add a few good pieces, spend a little bit of money, but something that they're not really willing to do. It seems like And like you said, you know, Christian Yelich, you know, if that guy can ever get back to what, where he was is a, is a big, big question mark for the, for that Brewers team. Um, so let's move on to the Pittsburgh pirates trading. You got the pirates, um, uh, last year, you know, another 100 loss team, uh, good for dead last in the, in, in the division, uh, in the off season, they added uh G man Choi. They also added catcher, Austin hedges, starting pitcher, Rick Hill and outfielder, Andrew McCutcheon returns, uh, to Pittsburgh, you know, former MVP there in Pittsburgh, uh, coming back home. Um, so this pirates team, you know, like I said, they're a team that's been rebuilding for a long time, trying to make strides towards that direction, you know, um, I feel like after a hundred lost season, there's not much room to get worse, but you know, knock on wood there. Uh, but one reason for hope and one reason for concern for the pirates in 23. Um, biggest reason for hope. I think that your, uh, your, your plan to get to a hundred losses first is over. Um, I think that you're finally going to not be the worst team in the division. Um, and I think that that's just, the moves are finally starting to come through. Um, they are going to end with 90, 90 losses. Uh, which is a huge, huge step in the right direction. Um, you know, I look at uh, O'Neill Cruz. I think he's projected to have a 3.1 war for the first season, for his first full season in the majors. That's solid. Um, I look at uh, Brian Reynolds. Um, I think that he has, he's projected to have a 3.7 war between left and center. Um, you know, I, I think that this team can make strides in a, in a division that is seeing some, you know, some issues. The Reds are going to be just as bad as they ever were. And I think the, I think Pittsburgh has finally started to say, okay, now, now we start to make our, our transition in the right direction. And, you know, I think, uh, and I think that those two guys, um, you know, are, are going to kind of lead the charge there. The biggest weakness, I kind of just said it. I mean, that's <laughs> all they caught. Um, uh, this, this, this roster is just not ready to, to, to go forward or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not ready to contend in terms of a, a playoff spot. Um, but you know, I think that there's a lot more hope rather than, you know, lack of hope or, you know, despair or whatever, um, simply because getting 10 more wins is a huge step in the right direction or 10 or whatever it was, 14, whatever, um, that is a huge step in the right direction. So I think there's a lot more, um, you know, light at the end of the tunnel than there ever has been in the last, uh, what, five, eight years. Yeah. It's been a long time since Pittsburgh has been, has been good and been in a, in a, in a postseason spot. Um, uh, but I agree with you trade. And I think that they're definitely trending, going to start finally trending towards that direction. Um, hopefully we'll start seeing this team, you know, lose a little bit less. Obviously, we're not, not not expecting a winning season by any means from Pittsburgh, but again, hopefully a little bit more competitive and we're going to see some improvement and, you know, some exciting talent. I mean, that O'Neill Cruz guy is is incredible. He's one of the most exciting young players in the game. So um, excited to see what he has in store for us in 2023. Uh, so moving on to the last team in the division, the defending champs, the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, last year, uh, won 93 games, ended up losing to the Phillies in the wild card 
round um, off season. The, the, the big move obviously was uh, Yadier Molina retiring. He's been a Cardinal forever. Uh, and then, so they went up and, and signed uh, Wilson Contreras um, to be their new backstop. So, uh, you know, James, you, you got, you got the Cardinals. They're looking to repeat as uh, NL central champs. Um, what do you got for one reason for hope and one reason for concern for the Cardinals? One reason for hope is that they have a very, very solid infield. I mean, they're anchored by Paul Goldsmith and Roland Arnado. Like your bookends, first base, third base, you got that covered. Great offensively, great defensively. Your middle infield is looking pretty good too. You have Tommy, Tommy Edmund, a short, solid player. And then they're going to rotate Paul DeYoung and Nolan Gorman at second. Paul has a better glove, but Gorman has better offensive upside. And if you can rotate those two together and kind of keep one fresh, you're looking pretty solid there. My biggest worry for this team is the fact that Yadier Molina retired. And that's a lot of leadership on that team. And that's a lot of defensive presence for that team. Wilson Contreras is great at the plate, offensively. Defensively, he has some liabilities. And this is the very first time in like almost two decades that Yadier Molina isn't back there. So that's going to be weird for everybody in the Cardinals organization and for the pitchers. It's just, it's just going to be odd, you know? Adam Wainwright, too. What is he going to do without his, his boy back there? They were like the best battery ever, and he's not there anymore. That sucks. With him not there, people got to step up. And I have no doubt in my mind they can do that, but it's going to be a different leadership style than what's been there for the last 20 years. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's going to be – it's going to have a little bit of a different feel there in, there in St. Louis for sure. Um, but still, I think, you know, our, it, it's the best – assembled roster in this division and i think that they are the clear favorites to win this division uh you know that arenado uh, goldschmidt is arguably the best one-two punch in the lineup in in the national league um they should be set up to have another an, 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 another great year um so we'll, we'll see what happens with that but let's get into our uh division standings um alex i'll i'll start off with you this time your uh nl central standings for 2023 yeah, um, I think you just said it. You know, the Cardinals seem to have the best just overall roster, so I'll have them winning the division. I do think the Brewers can give them a little bit of a fight, so they'll be number two. Are you guys ready? Your Pittsburgh Pirates are finishing third. They're going to be this year's Baltimore Orioles. Oh, uh, The Cubs, they're not going to make the playoffs or anything, but they're just going to have a huge jump. Uh, the Cubs are going to trade everybody again, so they'll be fourth, and the Reds are triple-A team. All righty. Uh, James, what do you got? Cardinals to begin, like I said earlier, I'm a little bit of an optimist today, and I believe that the win margin for the Cubs will end up being on the winning side. So I have the Cubs in second, followed by the Brewers, followed by the Pirates, and the AAA Reds. All righty. Trading. Brewers. Cardinals. Wow. Brewers, Cardinals. Uh, Cubs, Pirates, Reds. All right. I like that. I like a little bit different. Um Alex, I copy paste exactly what you just said. I got Cardinals, Brewers. I agree. I think the Pirates are going to have a pretty good year. And I think the Cubs are not going to be as good as a lot of people think. I think they made a lot of noise in the offseason, but there's not an actual lot of substance there. Uh, and then obviously the really shitty minor league Reds, as we mentioned, and um, dead last. So that wraps up this week's uh, round of division previews. Thank you guys. You guys are uh, the greatest always. Uh, we'll be, I believe I'm hosting next week. So I'll be taking a break. Then the week after that, we'll get into our final divisions, which is the AL and NL East, which are probably some of the most exciting divisions to talk about. So, so that, that, that should be fun in a couple of weeks. So that's what I got for baseball. Tyler, thank you very much. Like he just said, two weeks from now, 
our next preview will be the best teams after we just did the shittiest teams. So it's just kind of, you know, that's life. He goes through flows, ebbs and waves. Yada, yada, yada. Much like John Morant, who we're going to talk about in a second. We're going to take a quick break. But when we return, Alex is talking basketball. Welcome back, everybody. Um, if you haven't noticed, Alex hasn't really talked all that much because he had a small little part in the intro, and then he only had three teams in the baseball segment, which I thought was weird. But here's a whole dose of Alex right here now. Alex, you got basketball. It's all you. Yes. Thank you, James. Uh, yeah, we're going to start off with John Moran, as you mentioned. Um, it's not really a fun conversation to have, I don't really think, uh, but it's obviously kind of the major news going on in the basketball world if you for some reason don't know what's going on uh he's in trouble is a mild way to put it um just a little recap of kind of what's gone on uh in the last month and a half or so not even a month just like a full month um february 5th after a win in indiana um you know there was an incident involving morant's associates and members of the pacers traveling party a uh Things seem to just get a little a little cheeky um, after the game. They, uh, you know, their Pacers security guard said that there was a gun involved in whatever situation kind of happened. Uh, no police report was filed. Uh, you know, apparently the NBA did a, a little bit of an investigation. Could not really confirm what happened with there. What happened there? Then earlier, uh, March 1st, we get a report over two separate incidents that happened over the summer. Uh, one of them at John Morant's house, which is really weird. Uh, a pickup basketball game was happening. Shit got down, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Morant like started shoving and like punching a 17-year-old kid, went inside his house, and then kind of threatened him with a gun, potentially. We're not really sure. Um, you know, there was a lot of that seemed like a lot of kind of rumors and gossip. Um, later on. Something happened at a mall also with Morant and some of his uh, some like friends or associates or whatever, um, you know, it kind of felt like a little bit of intimidation factor. And then most recently um, on March 4th, after a game in Denver, Morant goes on Instagram live and flashes, a, you know, allegedly, I guess, since nothing's technically been proven yet, a gun in uh, in the in the video. Um, and now he announces that he's stepping away from the Grizzlies to receive help. The NBA is launching an investigation. Uh, the Denver police launched an investigation that got cleared up today because there was no conclusive evidence. Uh, not really sure how that works. Um, if you haven't seen the video, sure looks like a gun to me. Um, so Tyler, let's start with you. Uh, John Morant, just what is he doing <laughs> yes i don't really even know where to go from here yeah i mean i think that kind of the reaction is kind of what i'm what a lot of people are saying is like what is this guy doing he's a you know he's obviously a very you know successful young star in this game he's you know you know potentially could be a, a really great player in this league for a very long time and he's you know his life outside of basketball seems a little bit troubled and things he seems to be make, making very poor decisions obviously you know, with these kind of situations, there's a lot that we don't know. I feel like there's way more we don't know than we do know. Um, so there's a lot of factors at work there, you know, with 
what has gone on in his life that has you know allowed him or that is that he's making these decisions. Um, so from our perspective, it's kind of hard to really understand what's going through his head. Um, I do, I do really hope that, you know, his time away, you know, he is receiving help and hopefully, you know, can make you know, smarter decisions because at the end of the day, you know, he is a star in this, in this league and he shouldn't be, you know, you know, promoting what, what I would interpret as, you know, promoting, you know, kind of this, this violent behavior. Um, it's just not really acceptable. And it, and I think the NBA should do everything they can to make sure that they're providing him with the help that he needs to make sure that he's making those better decisions. So um, for me, as you know, I'm trying not to, you know, pass judgment on him and, you know, kind of be like, what the hell are you doing? But at the same time, like, obviously it's not acceptable behavior. And, you know, the, the hope is that he moves forward and just gets better. Um, that's all we really hope for. But yeah, just uh, just strange and just kind of like, what 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 is this guy doing? Like, what's going on? Why is he making these decisions? It just seems like very strange, especially in the middle of a season. Like, especially, you know, the Grizzlies are, you know, right in the, in the middle of a playoff race. What is he doing? I don't really know. But hopefully, hopefully he gets the help he needs. Yeah, Tyler, well said. Um, yeah, he's so he's stepping away. Uh, it was announced today again that he'll miss at least the next four games or so. Um, that's, you know, I think that's something that potentially the Grizzlies and the NBA and maybe Morant himself or his team have decided. Um, there's no like official suspension or anything like that so far. Uh, but trade in your, your thoughts on this whole John Morant situation that really unfolded in like a week and a half. Like we heard all of this yeah, very, very recently. Yeah. Um, not too long after we just, after we debated over, uh, him and, uh, uh, Zion, Zion. Um, and, and James and I further debated it on the golf course on the Super Bowl (laughs) Sunday. (laughs) Um, um, it's hard to really talk. Like, I guess I kind of echo what, what Tyler said to an extent that, you know, we don't, we, we, we don't know what he's kind of going through. I, I I look, I don't know much about his, his, um, you know, upbringing. I don't know if anybody does. I, I don't, I, I heard he might've went to a private school. I don't know what, if that space typically, that means you come from a more affluent, you know, household, which you, which, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, say that he didn't have a hard, you know, hard life, but um, I, we don't know. I <laughs> we really don't know. It could be just who he is getting involved with. And it kind of, this whole thing with John Morant, he is he's clearly a an unbelievable talent, an unbelievable talent. I mean, and and that cannot be denied. Now we cannot we we're not going to be debating that because I don't think he can. Um, the, the problem is, and I think James has kind of said it about this Grizzlies team, but in, in particular, um, you know, maybe the younger you know younger generation of basketball players, but but mostly the the Grizzlies that they lack it's almost like they lack a veteran of true veteran presence that teaches you how to be a pro in, in the league, in, in, in the NBA. Um, and when I say that, I'm not just saying on the, you know, on the court or around the court, you know, with the, with dealing with Shannon Sharp, you know, a couple months ago or whatever, I'm talking outside too. I mean, the, the, the veterans who, who have gone through it have, have been down to earth. You know, I look at, I, I even look at LeBron, even though he's kind of a, a huge figure, he knows how to be a pro. Um, all these guys know how to be pros, um, you know, that have gone through it. And it seems like this Grizzlies team and in, 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 in particular, John Morant at, at the level that he's at, he kind of, you know, came into the stardom, he signed a huge contract and he's just kind of not, he's just kind of acting out because I, I don't know if he thinks he can or, or, or what, but 
it's clear that he's missing some sort of, you know, direction or, or guidance, you know, to, to, to handle the type of pressure that, that he's probably under um, with the Grizzlies. I mean, the Grizzlies are very, very good basketball team. They're a team that's looking to contend um, and they need him. And, and he's a big part of that. And that, that's a, that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid, but uh, he's not that old. I mean, he's, he just got uh, drafted in 2019. (sighs) I, I just think that this is just a, a, a case, this could be, in my opinion, a case of lack of, of a veteran presence, a true good veteran presence that teaches you how to be a pro, teaches you how to handle this, this type of pressure. You're on the spotlight. You're, you're a team that's up and coming. You're a huge part of that. And you need someone to just kind of ground him and, and just, and just kind of, you know, hold his hand metaphorically and say, Hey, like you can be a huge part of this team. You can be a huge part of this league. He is marketable when he's not doing this. He is he's marketable on the basketball court. He has an opportunity to humble himself and just show what he can do on the court and leave it at that. And he just lacks that type of direction right now. I that's my that's the way I see it. I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not, so I can't, you know, I don't and I'm not gonna pretend to want to be one on this podcast, but there's clearly there's clearly something amiss. And um, and I really hope that he gets the help that he needs, but I also think that it is in the best interest for the Grizzlies to find to find players that can teach these kids how to be pros in the NBA. And, 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 you know, that's, I, I know that seems like a weird phrase. I don't you Maybe you maybe don't know what that means. It just means there are ways to go about, you know, being a role model for kids, being a role model for, for up and coming basketball players and up and coming athletes in general. And he's on the biggest stage. And I just think he needs a little bit of help to humble himself and, and, and help him look in himself in the mirror and say, I have an opportunity to, I have a huge opportunity to, to, um, you know, be a role model myself and, and, and push, push forward, you know, incredible basketball playing, but also a, a, a tinge of, a, a tinge of uh, humble, humble pie, I guess. And I just hope that he can figure that out. Yeah. Uh, Trading also well said. Um, yeah. John Morant, he's 23. Um, you know, he came from a small college, you know, he was not, not one of these guys that came from, you know, Duke or UNC or UCLA or one of these, one of these big colleges, um, to speak on the respected veteran part, you know, Steven Adams, who's probably the most veteran presence on the Grizzlies. And to be fair, was never a star has never been the star of his own team. So maybe that adds to it. I have no idea. Obviously we're not in the locker room reports came out that they had a closed door meeting and Adams kind of called out Morant and some of the younger players on like, I don't know if it's maybe their dedication, but, you know, they were going out to, you know, partying or clubs or whatever too much. Um, and, you know, maybe it, the the point didn't get through, you know, who knows? Um, yeah, it obviously, it obviously, you know, seems like he's just making, making some poor, poor decisions. Um, and it is a lot, you know, that's a lot of fame and a lot of money and a lot of, you know, everything shoved into your face at a pretty young age. So um yeah hopefully we'll kind of see what happens but uh james john morant thoughts i think another variable that we aren't really thinking about and this is more like the technicality point of the nba is the fact that there could be a suspension added on like an actual 50 game minimum suspension because of the fact that gun was found the alleged but probably a gun was found in denver when he's traveling from memphis so therefore you had to have taken that gun on a team plane or in the locker room or something 
And there's clear rules that say if that has ever happened, 50-game suspension minimum. Like, bro, have you not learned from Gilbert Arenas, Plaxico Burris? Anytime there's a gun anywhere within a sports franchise or a team, that's not good news. But the way this is, like, coming out, it's like, I think of John Morant like a child star. Like, you see how all these Disney kids who are – who get fame at a young age, they end up growing up with a different sense of reality because they don't know what normal is, which is weird because John Morant did. He wasn't the five-star recruit. He was the number one guy at all, t- all times. He all of a sudden got thrust into the limelight after he made it, was drafted really high, played really good in the Grizzlies his first year, and all of a sudden was this superstar out of nowhere. And it's like he didn't know what to do with all that fame and all the fortune, and he probably has some negative voices now. Like, he has bad people in his corner, and I'm not saying bad because I'm a judgy person, but probably people with some not-so-good intentions in his corner telling him what to do, when to do it, and he doesn't have the judgment or wherewithal to decide what's good and what's not because it's a very new environment for him. He doesn't have that experience yet. We don't know what's going on. Probably the only people that do are the NBA, honestly, and his dad because team rants around a lot. Um but the situation as a whole is just like it reeks of immaturity. It reeks of not growing up. And as Jaden mentioned, they do need a veteran presence to show you the ropes. These, the Grizzlies, man, like I can't say enough about how immature that Grizzly squad is. Like you, Dylan Brooks, you do not chirp a hall, you don't chirp anybody in the sidelines, first and foremost. But an NFL Hall of Famer and calling him a pedestrian, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. You don't do that, right? Like the Grizzlies are just weird. Desmond Bain, he, Desmond Bain and Stephen Adams are pretty much the only likable people on the Grizzly squad. Uh, but John Moran, man, like he's got to figure it out quick because another instance like this or the gravity of this and you're out of the league and that's that's it. All that fame, fortune, everything just goes right down the drain. Plasco Burris, man, think about that. Gun charges found on him. All of a sudden he's out of the league and where do you, do you hear about him now? No, you don't. Yeah, he's obviously in the NBA and the Grizzlies. They've all got some, you know, got some stuff to figure out. Um, but yeah, James, you're right. There is a possible 50 game suspension coming to John Morant, depending on what this investigation leads to. Um, you know, I think the main thing is that while he's away from the team, seeking whatever help he may need, um, you know, whether that be counseling or just, you know, meeting with, the team like you know community members or the team or whomever it may be um you know hopefully you know he can live and learn and um unfortunately you know it's not a great situation but um hopefully this will this will be something that he can put in his past and kind of move move forward um moving on i mean traded mentioned it the grizzlies unfortunately for them the season continues on without their superstar player um, and it's getting to the point of the season where we're kind of starting to look at playoff matchups. Uh, so I was going to ask the boys, um, realistic ones that they could potentially be interested in seeing in the first round. You know, it will be hard to see what goes down further in the line. Um, but trade in, let's start with you. Um, you can pick one from the East, one from the West, one from both. I don't care which potential first round matchup would you be the most excited to see? Um, again, it, it, it's tough. Because, I, look, I know you want it to be realistic. And the thing about the West is it's so fucking open that you could choose any two. Well, within reason. And, and it would be, uh, and it would be 
you know, you, you could be fine. Um, I think an easy one is Lakers Warriors. <laughs> That's an easy one, but but I you know for and and I initially did want to I did want to throw in the the um, Grizzlies in there against anybody. <laughs> you but I just I, I, without John Moran, I think you kind of lose that that uh, that pizzazz. You know, it'd be interesting to see actually is to see the Suns play, um, you know, play the Warriors. And I say that because KD got moved over to to Sun to the Suns. So there's a little bit of that um you know, there's a little bit of a storyline there um again it just seems like katie's you know finding you know finding his way onto teams that are looking to contend and i think this would be another one and it'd just be interesting to have have him play the team that he did that to did that with initially um so i think that would be interesting um and on the east um the new the battle in new york i mean <laughs> just because it's the battle in new york i mean i know that the nets are not you know what we remember them to be in terms of, you know, they lost, they, they lost all the, all that star power recently, but they're, you know, they're, they're on a three game winning streak. They, they can, I think it would just be interesting. I think it's good if both New York teams are kind of playing each other and and obviously it's going to, it's going to draw a lot of uh, a big crowd. So it'd be interesting. Yeah. I like all of those picks. Uh, James, potential first round matchups you want to see. Um... In the West, just for all time's sake and, as a Laker fan, I want to see Lakers Kings mm. brings back a lot of memories, brings back some nostalgia and it's definitely plausible. I mean, the, the Lakers are in the ninth spot right now. The Kings are in the two spot right now. When LeBron comes back, this team looks reasonably matched up to the Kings team and Malik Monk played for both teams. So that's kind of cool. When you got AD, D'Lo and LeBron versus Sabonis, Fox, and whoever else you want to put in that conversation for the Kings, it looks pretty damn good. It could be Malik Monk, could be Kevin Herter. Who knows? Like, they, for old time's sake and without the ref cheating scandal going on, I want to see that. Like, Mike, baby, Peja versus Kobe and Derek Fisher again? Like, that was cool. Uh, but, yeah, in the West, I'd like to see that. But in the East, I want to see Cavs versus Hawks. That guard matchup of Trey Young, DeJounte Murray versus Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland looks ridiculous and the fact that the hawks are now coached by quinn snyder who used to coach donovan mitchell back when he was with the jazz mm-hmm. is another potential storyline you can go after here which is definitely plausible too yeah i like those as well that lakers kings one was definitely one that i thought about tyler i'm assuming you had the same thought as you did little finger gun things for the I did. yeah <laughs> the I, video. yeah I, I threw some finger guns out there, James. I agree. I think for me, of all of them, that's the one that intrigued me the most. Lakers, Kings. You know, if you're if you're an NBA fan back back in those early 2000s days when those Lakers and Kings teams were going out in in, in the playoffs, those were fun, and we haven't had that in, since then. Uh, so to see that happen in kind of, in kind of this new age version of that rivalry would be super fun. Uh, so for me, yeah, late, late Lakers, Kings in the first round would be would be really cool. Um, also in the West, I think uh, Dallas and Phoenix, just with the history that they've had and then adding the KD and uh, Kyrie matchup against each other, um, I think would be super in- intriguing um, if they kind of match up that, you know, kind of four or five seed there and they're in the, in the, in the first round. I think that'd be, that'd be really interesting uh, in the East. Uh, I think Philly and Brooklyn would have kind of been cool if, you know, Katie and Kyrie didn't get traded, but it's still some intrigue there, obviously with Simmons and Harden, you know, kind of uh, flip flip flopping teams. Um, obviously I think Brooklyn just probably isn't the same kind of team that they were without Katie and Kyrie. So, you know, but it's just kind of a thought there. And then, um, you know, kind of looking at the one that 
I feel like the East, you know, like the, you know, I think whoever, um, you know, Milwaukee, Boston and Philly play in the first round, I it should be a cakewalk for those teams. So I feel like there's not a whole lot of intrigue in terms of the, the, the series going on, but I think, you know, a potential Cleveland, New York first round uh, series would be really competitive and really close to watch. Um, so I think that one for me in the East would probably be the most intriguing. Yeah. Um, I think you guys nailed it. Um, all of those ones are really, really intriguing, you know, and, and with the incredible amount of player movement that went on over the last year, there are a lot of, a lot of former teammates that could be playing against each other. Um, you know, a lot of players that got traded for each other. Um, yeah. In the West, obviously Lakers uh, Kings for me would be the mo- kind of the most intriguing um, but Tyler, I think you nailed it with with Suns Mavs, um, especially just Booker and Doncic just seemed to be go back and forth with each other. Um, they scrapped just a couple days ago, so that one would be intriguing. Um, I feel like the only team in the West that no one cares about is the Timberwolves. Like, who cares who they play? Who cares if they make it? Um, in the East, trade in. I was with you. The Battle of New York would be so fun. Um, especially if you could go to a game like it at MSG would be incredible. Um, and then I don't know how it would happen. It doesn't look very likely, but if some magical way, the Raptors and the heat could play each other and Clowry would come back to Toronto would be cool. They're sitting seven, nine right now. So it's probably well, they, pretty- they would play in the play in. They would. Yeah, they could play if, in the play in. If, if the heat fall. <laughs> That is a good point. If that happens, that would be that would be kind of cool. Um, and then yeah, Sixers Nets would be sweet. But I mean, Ben Simmons is kind of out of the out of the rotation in Brooklyn anyway, so it doesn't really matter with that one. But um, last kind of basketball topic, um, you know, as the playoffs are getting uh, closer and closer, the MVP conversation is getting uh, you know hotter and hotter as well. Um, you know, one of the favorites is um, Jokic out of Denver. If he wins, he'd be only the fourth player to win three in a row. Um, The other three, Larry Bird, um, Bill Russell, and Wilt Chamberlain. So, you know, like pretty good basketball players there. Sort of surprising Jordan is not on that list, um, to be completely honest. But James, we'll start with you right now. And, you know, obviously things can change. Who's your MVP pick? I, I mean, it's the easy answer to be Jokic. Like, the bro, the dude is averaging a triple-double, 24, 12, and 10. Can't really argue against that, especially because his team's winning. So you know he's doing the right things at the right time to help his team win. But my dark horse and my, my who I really want to win the MVP award is going to be Damian Lillard out of Portland. This dude, as of late, has been putting up numbers. Like, he, he he's either putting up 40 points or putting up a triple-double with 30 points like he is single-handedly carrying this Blazers team to a play-in game or potentially the playoffs because of how much he's just willing this team to win and if that's not the most valuable player I don't know what is I like that Ty yeah um I think looking at this um the MVP race you know and you know obviously Jokic just won the last couple years and kind of look I was really trying not to pick Jokic but I mean, if you look at the numbers, man, it's just he's right there. And he's, he, he's the best player on on one of the best teams in the league. Uh, one crazy stat that he's had this year, he shot at least 50% from the field in every single game except for one. Um, this dude is efficient. He, you know, he he puts his teammates in good position uh, to to make good plays. Um, I think Denver is like 27 points worse when he's not on the floor. So, like, 
that clearly that's the definition of of a uh, valuable and, and and James kind of rattled off his uh, current average triple double numbers at the, at, the, at the moment. And he's shooting forty. He's he's shooting forty percent from uh, three too. So I mean that's that's fucking incredible. So it's Jokic. I think he just hands down is the best player in the league statistically and just on 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 one of the best teams in in the league in terms of MVP standards. I think he's the clear favorite. Um, and then just to kind of rattle rattle off what you know James said with Lillard, I'd fucking love Dame Lillard. He deserves so much more. He does. He deserves to be on a better team. He's he's like the Mike Trout of of of, of basketball. Like get that guy on a good fucking team. Like let's see him on the fucking like Celtics or Bucks or something. Like come the on. The thing is, he's never gonna leave Portland, man. He's made it a point. He's gonna be like, I'm gonna be here until we win the championship. Yeah, and even I mean, once they win, he's still gonna be there. He's never gonna leave. He is loyal to the day he dies. That's again same thing as Mike Trout. He's the Mike Trout of basketball. Yeah, but Mike Trout got paid four hundred and eighty million dollars <laughs> for whatever it was. Stay for yeah. twelve years. Other, yeah. than, other than the money wise, they're the same. You get to live in thing. you get to live in Southern California, not Portland. Uh, <laughs> trading MVP. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is clear. So I'm I'm just gonna add one more thing about this guy before I give my little dark horse. Um, Nick Nikola Jokic has never had a teammate selected All Star. All NBP, all NBA, or all defense. How rare is that? Given given his time in the league, how rare is that? He's the only MVP to have that distinction at this point in their career. The average MVP has at least twelve at this point in his career. He has not had one. You take him off of that team, they are not even a playing team. That's what that just proves to me. So <laughs> that that alone is like, okay, here's your trophy. Uh, for, for Embiid, I mean, for me, it's Embiid is the dark horse. Uh, and, and I just, you know, I just look at, he, he's had a pretty, pretty, um, you know, stellar season. Um, the Sixers outscored their opponents 7.8 points per hundred possessions when he's on the court, when he's off, they fall, um, they fall by 9.2 per hundred possessions. Um, he just, he, he, he does make an impact when he's on, when he's on the court. And again, you take him, you take him off of that team and, they're just they're just not who you know he, that's the that's the definition of what this is he's the most valuable um, player to his team and i think that he definitely is going to get some looks it, it, unfortunately just like the nhl we already know who's going to get it <laughs> but it's always fun to talk about the uh the dark horses yeah i mean he's he's definitely the favorite um i mean i i love your guys' dark horses i think really the only contender is Giannis. other contender is Giannis at this point Sort of similar where if Giannis was not on the Bucks, they would be in trouble. Like they would not be leading the East right now. Um, I mean, Giannis is averaging over 31 points a game, 12 rebounds, uh, five assists. Obviously is not a shooter like Jokic is, um, not even a passer like he is. Um, but he's kind of the only guy that can can kind of give him a run for his money. Um, you know, maybe the NBA should just do what you know, baseball doesn't do one Western conference, one Eastern conference MVP. Uh, I kind of wish baseball didn't do that if I'm being completely honest. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Jokic is having an incredible season again. Uh, what if we get a Bucks Nuggets finals uh, with those two guys kind of squaring off? That would be Whew. sanity. James, that's it for me today. I like, I like the Bucks Nuggets finals thing, but I feel like one of those two bigs is going to get fouled out within the first two quarters, so then it would be <laughs> fun because they're both just going to attack the basket, and then what? Alex, thank you so much. Appreciate you. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, Traden's going to close it out with some hockey. 
Welcome back, everybody. We're going to take it to the ice after Trayden got back from Miami and the heat. He's going to go cold with some hockey stuff. So, Trayden, it's all you. Yes, I, I, yes, thanks, James. Um, it, fu- funny story, not really funny. Um, I tried, I really wanted to go to the um, to the Panthers Golden Knights game on Tuesday night, but Sunrise, Florida is like 45 minutes from, from South Beach, Miami, and I was like, I'm not paying for that Uber. So I uh, did not, did not do that. Although I really wanted to, I thought it was a lot closer. Um, it's, it's not, it's not the five miles to to downtown Miami where the heat play. Um, let's start with the in-season cup, which I think is the most int- interesting thing on before I talk about fantasy, because fantasy, we are in the final week of regular season fantasy. So um, I'll, I'll let everyone know where everyone stands there. Um, Tyler has the cup. So I think this is best case scenario for all of us who just can't get it because all three of us are pretty tight. Tyler is mathematically ineligible to get to hold it for the most days. So as long as he has it, I mean, Alex would win if, 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 uh, if, um, you know, Tyler held on Go for it, buddy. not going to happen. <laughs> um, Alex, you have 47 days, James with 45 and I'm behind that at 39. All of us are still very, very much in contention. One good week from from me, I'm in it. One good week from Alex, and he almost seals it. <laughs> James, uh, one good week, and you and you and you have a nice jump as well. You'd take that first spot. So, uh, you know, it, it's it. This is this is the fun part of it, I think, because in this last month it will be very interesting as teams start to ramp up for the playoffs. Um, let's talk about fantasy because I haven't talked about fantasy um, a lot as of late. Um, so, as it stands now, Alex, you. You are 15 and five. You won your last two. You're first. You have solidified your spot in the in the playoffs for sure. Thank um, you. <laughs> Kylie actually has an 80% chance of making the playoffs. She's most likely going to make the playoffs after this week at 11 and nine. Um, I'm tied with her at 11 and nine, and I have a 64% chance I have to win or Jess has to lose. So that's really the only two that can that can make that fourth spot. Jess just needs to lose, who I'm pretty sure is playing Alex. So don't bench your players, buddy. <laughs> Ooh, um, tough. Uh, yeah. Wow. So I, I bench my players and let Jess win and have a trade. No, I, I, I'll just tell that my, intrigues me so much. <laughs> um, and I'm playing. I'm playing my wife. So, um, or no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm playing Tyler. So I could ask Tyler to bench, to bench all of his uh, players. You didn't talk about I, me. I still got a chance to make it. Um, sorry, dude. Um, I don't think so. I have a twenty three percent shot of making it. Doesn't it say I have like I've 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 like a three percent chance? You have a one percent chance. One percent. I have a twenty three. You didn't talk about me, bro. What? James, you do have a twenty three percent chance of making it. Yes. Um. I just. I, I just. I don't see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Although you do have more points than me, so I guess theoretically, you, I have more points than a lot of people. <laughs> you, you could. You could make that. Make that jump. So it, it is very. It'll be very interesting this week. Um. We know that. You know, Alex is Alex is fine. <laughs> so um, the trade deadline day was last week on Friday, and it was the worst day of the trade deadline. Um, Friday was terrible. I mean, there's nothing that happened because every insane thing happened all before that, all during the week. This was the most insane trade deadline week that the NHL seen in the uh, in the cap era. It was textbook nba it was like vintage nba this is what the nba does and i've been waiting for this uh type of week my like all like forever um you know from my perspective 
it just seemed like teams actually had agendas where, you know, in the past, like, oh, we don't really want to give up our, uh, we don't really want to go for it. Um, but we also don't want to give up picks because we think that we can do okay in the playoffs. I think teams had an agenda. Teams that knew they could not win the Stanley Cup just sold. I look at you, Nashville. I look at you, Washington. They just sold and and punted for the next season. And then there are teams that fucking went for it. In in a in a in a year that the draft that 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 first overall or first round pick is worth way more than probably any other uh, last couple of drafts. Um, th- this was an absolute you know shit show. The East loaded up. There's some teams in the West that loaded up. Um, things kind of ramped up you know kind of early when we saw uh, when we saw uh, you know Blues made their made their trade for uh, trade away for Tarasenko to the uh, to the Rangers, and then shit just kind of went crazy after that. So I just asked the guys to come up with one loser and one winner of this trade deadline. There were a lot of winners in my in my opinion, and there were a lot of losers. Whether that's because they just lost trades or because they they weren't part of the ones that did fucking anything. Um, so let's start with Alex. You know, go, I don't care what you want to start with. You know, winner loser, just give me whatever. Uh, yeah. First things first, Jonathan Quick. I love you. I know you listen to this podcast. Oh yeah. Good for you for not staying in Columbus. I hope we beat you in the playoffs. Uh, okay. Mine is a little weird. So I'm going to, they're, they're based on each other a little bit. So my loser is the Tampa Bay lightning. They did not do enough in my opinion to compete with the other, I'm going to call the other big five in the East. Sorry, Islanders. Sorry, Pittsburgh. Sorry. Any of those other teams that are potentially fighting for the wild card. I don't really see you as a legitimate contender. But Boston, Toronto, Carolina, New Jersey, and the Rangers all had huge trade deadlines. They all really beefed up and are going for it. And Tampa, I get like you're in a tough cap space situation. Um, obviously, you've had a great last five years, six years. But you, I just don't know if you did enough to really compete with the East. Um, and especially just how much better these other teams got. Um, you know, obviously Tarasenko and Kane to the Rangers, Meyer to the Devils, um, Orloff to the Bruins. You know, O'Reilly obviously just kind of sucks that he already got hurt to the to the Leafs. Um, and whatever the defenseman is who went to the Her- or the Hurricanes, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Like all five of those teams just got so much better. And Tampa, I feel like you kind of got stuck and like tripped over your feet at the end there a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Tampa Bay, um, their big their biggest trade was Tanner Janot, an $800,000 player. Fantastic player. If he was an Oiler, oh, please. I mean, he, he, <laughs> he fits that bill. He is a prick to play against. This is what Tampa looks for. They gave the following. Cal Foot, a 2023 third round, a 2023 fourth round, a 2023 fifth round, a 2024 second round, and a 2025 first round pick for Tanner Janot. Unfucking believable overpay for a player like that, to your point, Alex. Um, but... This is the Tampa does. I mean, th- look, though that that core, Alex, in my opinion, that core, their window is closing. And quite frankly, if they they've been to three finals in a row now, and if if Tanner Janot gets just that gets them to the fourth f- final in a row and they win a cup, does anybody give a shit that they're going to be the worst team in the league in three years? No, <laughs> sorry, no one's going to give a shit. But I agree with you. I mean, I think that they, you know, I think that they made a lot of moves, you know, the last few years. And that's kind of hamstrung them in terms of what they can do. And then they're paying out the wazoo for, for Tanner Chanel. Um, 
it's, this is it's kind of it's kind of what you get for being good <laughs> you know uh do you have a loser oh, i guess or you have a winner i mean yeah well the winner is just those other everybody else <laughs> eastern teams that literally went for it like i'm about it kind of like you mentioned in the in the beginning this was an incredible trade deadline and i you know i like it when teams you know maybe they're not mortgaging their future or anything like that but they're they see a legitimate chance to win the cup and they're going for it and i i think that's i think that's great are you worried about the look? I, I think another team that uh, within that six in the East that I do worry about is the Carolina Hurricanes. They didn't really boost their offense. I mean, they got Yessi Puliarvi, who take it from me, isn't going to score you goals. I mean, yeah and no, but they're they're the Hurricanes kind of now remind me of the Kings Cup winners. Like their their defense is so good that they'll just kind of swallow people up, and then you know they get a couple timely goals. You're you're good to go. Playoff team, I like that. Uh, they're built for the playoffs for sure. Uh, James, what do you got? Winners, my Toronto Maple Leafs. No, yo, <laughs> <laughs> this team is going, man. They're going a hundred percent all in. It's really cool to watch. Like they're selling everybody to to win now, and it's lovely. Uh, <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly, as Alex just mentioned, who got hurt. He is a great center presence, leadership, expertise, like experience, everything. Jake McCabe is already out there fighting people for his teammates. And Sam Lafferty is just Sam Lafferty. So that's cool. Um, Alex mentioned the fact that O'Reilly already got hurt. Uh, but I just want to kind of put a different twist on it here. I think that might actually be like a blessing in disguise for the, the Leafs because it's it's a broken finger guys it's that's all it is is a broken finger and he's going to be out for four weeks but this is the same dude that's played a lot of nhl games and has a lot of miles on his body and is a little bit older and the fact that it's only a broken finger means he can probably still skate and keep his conditioning up without getting absolutely wrecked by any like nhl players in the next four weeks which means he's going to come back fresh in shape right in time for the playoffs that's a blessing in disguise. I love that. I think that everything is working in the least favor to finally get out of that first round. Yeah. Um, you also forgot Luke Shen. Very important depth piece. Um, look, you know, the reason that Toronto did this is because uh, Kyle Dubas, his, his seat has never been fucking hotter. If they don't beat Tampa Bay in the first round, and, I, and I, we pretty much know it's going to be Tampa Bay, he, he's done. He's immediately done. <laughs> so um, he has to do this. It is fun to see. Do you think it's enough to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning? Yeah. According to Alex, they're losers at the trade deadline. So, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Braden, you love the Maple Leafs. Don't even try to tell us you don't. He listens to their radio show every single morning. I, I do. I listen to Toronto. <laughs> I listen to fucking Toronto media all the time, unfortunately. James, who's your loser? Or who is a loser? Uh, I mean, I have two, but like the ducks <laughs> why did you not sell everybody over 26 years of age like you should have sold henry you should have sold silverberg you should have sold gibson like you should have maximized every single potential you have to lose every single game from this point forward because why are you even trying to win sell everybody good draft picks start over keep three players who cares play with three players on three on whatever it is five for the next four weeks because that's pretty much what you're doing anyway this team sucks yeah also the flyers like the flyers Said they were open to selling everybody, but they only sold two people. Well, look, what are you doing? I, I, look, 
I think that a lot of teams just could not find buyers for some players. Um, I mean, you know, I, I look at this, I look at this uh, roster. Do I want Jacob Silverberg at 5 million right now? I don't know. I mean, you'd have to retain and that's another year. He gets two years. He's a great player. It's just, he also has a, he also has a modified no trade clause. I don't know who is not on that no trade clause, but it's a question mark. Um, do I want Kevin Shattenkirk at all? Probably not. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, that's the thing. I mean, you did get Klingberg out, which I think is, I think was big. Um, um, the, the, the ducks are slated to, to, you know, grow their young, their, their young core. And I've said this multiple times on the podcast. So there's multiple times to you. They're winning too much. They need to stop fucking winning. <laughs> if they want Connor Bedard. Um, I, you know, I just, I, I agree. I just, I did just much like the Philadelphia Flyers. I think that he, you know, I think Chuck, uh, you know, Chuck Fletcher of the Philadelphia Flyers tried to sell, you know, I think the biggest thing is they didn't, he didn't sell Trevor Van Riemsdyk. I just think he couldn't find anybody to take that on. And, and that's just the way the market goes, unfortunately. Um, you know, the, the market is the, is the market. And unfortunately you just can't get it done unless you're willing to just take them for nothing, which kind of defeats the purpose. Um, but th- I mean, I, I don't disagree. It's just, it's just tough. It's just, just, a uh, it's tough. Tyler, what do you got? All right. So, uh, for my winner, you gotta go with the Boston Bruins. Um, this is a team that's already on historical pace, winning tons of games and they got even better. Uh, they added Dimitri, um, Orlov, which is just a physical vet. That's going to make them better. Uh, along with, uh, Garnett Hathaway, which by the way, one of the softest names in all hockey, uh, but it does give them some depth there. Um, they, they also acquired Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, it's another playmaker uh, for this Boston Bruins team. And on top of that, they also locked up David uh, uh, Pasternak to an eight-year extension. So, I mean, they pretty much did everything right to not only short to win this year, but to uh, win, 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 win for the future. So, uh, for me, it's the Boston Bruins. Um, they're just a, a, a phenomenal team that just keeps 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 getting better. And then my loser, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, because this is already the oldest team in hockey. And they <laughs> went out and they got uh, Grunlin, who's 31, uh, Kulikov, which is 32, and Bonino, who is 34. Kind of weird. So uh, that's my loser for the Penguins who thinks that, I, I mean, veterans are great, but at some point in this young, exciting age of hockey, you probably got to get a little younger, get a little faster. And they didn't do that, so... Pet penguins loser. Ron fucking Hextall. What he makes the cap situation worse in Pittsburgh and then makes them older and then doesn't make them better. Like what a what a terrible like free free, baby. Look, they're <laughs> fucked. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I know that there's a guy on, on Instagram that says that buff that, that Pittsburgh's better than Buffalo. Sorry. Buffalo's taking in seven fucking games. Your team is fucking old as fuck. They need they need they need fucking uh uh walkers to get on the ice and play their games i mean i love Sidney crosby but jesus christ they're done dude they're they should have done what what the caps did and i think that they didn't only because they're in a position um but frankly does anybody on this podcast seriously think that the pittsburgh penguins could beat any of the top six teams in the east no sorry it's not happening so no just no terrible (laughs) um um, I agree with you, Tyler, the Boston Bruins. Wow. What a trade deadline. Um, and I think, I think it kind of, uh, you know, started with, you know, biggest, the biggest thing was, um, getting, uh, Poster 
are not going to think that's massive. Um, and also that Tyler Bertuzzi trade at the, at, you know, on, on March 2nd, which I, which wasn't the last day, but it was one of the final days um, was sneaky. Good. I mean, he, he is a player that is a prick to play against. And that is, that's, that's, that's Boston Bruins um, through and through. Um, he's also a psycho. He doesn't, he doesn't tape the top of his stick. Like what? Like I can't even like, that's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> He's a fucking that is, psychopath. That is you're gonna bring that psychopath. in and alone you're just like you're scary to play against so yeah. um that's like one of those guys in baseball that doesn't use batting gloves it's just like the fuck is going on there yeah exactly um uh quickly before i say mine james you already you already talked about your ducks tyler alex your thoughts on the king's trade deadline um, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously losing Jonathan quick, I think we kind of talked about a little bit off air. It's just really sad. Um, and then the fact that he goes to the Knights was just like salt in the wound. Um, yeah, it, that one hurt. Um, so I'm really sad about it. I, I, all I can say with the Kings moves is I hope they work out. Obviously I think since the trade deadline, we've been on a pretty good hot streak and we've been playing really good. Um, so yeah, not, I don't, and none of the moves like really were like, awe-inspiring i would say but i think they were just smart moves i would think and i, I hope they work out um so I, I i think they were smart moves obviously i think for me my biggest takeaway which is losing quick just sucks but i think it was the right decision unless he shut this out in the playoffs which could very easily happen yeah alex what do you got bud yeah uh kind of reiterating that obviously bummed that's the way quickies you know 16 year career ends with the Kings. Like that's not, you know, it's not the way you want that to end. Um, especially kind of like you get off the ice after a win and they're just like, Hey, you're going to Columbus, like Columbus of all places. Um, I'm glad, you know, obviously, yeah, it sucks. He has to go to the Knights. Glad that he at least is getting a chance, uh, you know, to compete for a, for a better team. Um, I think, you know, the, the players they got back, still make them better than what they were. Um, like Corpus Allo can be a very good goaltender. Um, it's tough to do on a really shitty Columbus Blue Jackets team. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, Quickie is not who he was. Like he's not even really a starting goalie at this point in his career, which is unfortunate to say. Um, and it kind of, I don't, I don't know. I, I wish it had gone down differently, but I think the Kings got better. Um, and they didn't give up too, too much. And now they have, you know, a lot of cap space moving forward next next year. Um, that's more thinking with my brain than my heart. Realistically, I never want to quick to play for another team. Fair enough. My biggest issue, I think I, to your guys' point, was um, how it went down. I, I don't think the fact that it went down is a problem. It's how it went down. You, I mean, you, know, you don't really treat Jonathan Quick like that. I mean, beside you guys, I think that, the fan base of, of LA in general looks at the top three, you know, those three core Kings and I'm talking Brown, or I guess four uh, Brown, Dowdy, Kopitar and, and quick. And they regard quick on the top of the pyramid. If we're usually, I mean, I, I mean, you, you, you know, you ask, you start talking shit about Jonathan quick to any Kings fan and they, it, it's immediate fuck you. And, and, and they're, and they're defending him. Um, and it, this is how it is. I mean, I could, I could talk a little bit of, uh, not shit, but I, I could talk, um, you know, I could throw a little bit of shade at Dustin Brown. You guys can kind of get over it. But when you say about quick, it's like, no, fuck you. Dustin so, Brown is potentially the best hockey player of all time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Vladislav Gavrikov guys, 
sneaky, sneaky good defenseman. Um, you guys are in good shape there. Um, for me, um, before I get to my team, uh, the New Jersey Devils are mine. Um, I don't think that the New Jersey Devils are the became the best team in the in the deadline, but I think their the trade for Timo Meyer sets them up to be an incredible team for a long time. There, this 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 wasn't adding Timo Meyer for this year. They're going to resign him, and holy fuck, it, it, he is an incredible player. Like he's he's a very underrated player. And, um, you know, a, a player that anybody on their team would 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 love to have. And I just think that him adding to that whole young core that's kind of growing, Jack Hughes, uh, Nico Hishier, um, all those guys, I think just makes the Devils a team that we need to watch out for for a long, long time. And I think that that was a move that, um, you know, just sets them up for not only this year, but for, for a while. Um Losers, you kind of already mentioned them. I Vancouver Canucks did fuck all. Flyers did fuck all. Um, um, I mean, th- those are my biggest losers. Uh, for me, um, the Edmonton Oilers were a huge winner, guys. And I don't mean to say that as a homer. Um, I, I try not to be a homer about the Oilers, but I really do believe that the Oilers put themselves in a position to, to actually compete and and you know very very well could make it to the conference final again. Play play the you know a team like the um avalanche and actually um win a game um acquiring matthias ekholm guys is is a is a is a player that the edmonton oilers have needed for a long time um this is this is a defensive defenseman coming out of nashville that can move the puck is nasty um to play against and it's everything that that edmonton oilers fans have been clamoring for for so so many years now um and then adding in nick bukestad for next to nothing um, as a depth forward is fucking huge. He wanted to come to, he was hoping it was Edmonton that he was going to go to. And, and, and you don't get that a lot. I mean, for you, for you Kings fans, everyone wants to go play for LA cause you're on a great stage and you're in great weather. No one wants to play for Edmonton. So when someone wants to play for Edmonton, it means a lot. <laughs> so, um, um, and the, unfortunately, the only thing that we had to, the thing we had to lose was Tyson Berry, who is a guy that, that, that bled orange and blue. Um, and that was an unfortunate loss. Maybe we can get him back in the, in the off season. But um, for now, I, I am so fucking excited for this team and I'm so excited for the playoffs. Um, James, um, I'm going to round it out with that. We are on our final month. Yeah. B- about final month and a week until the, the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be a fun ramp. Um, James, just hope your ducks lose everything else from here on out, buddy. And it's currently working. They're losing two to one against the <laughs> Canucks. So that's great. Uh, thank you all for listening. That concludes episode 139 of TLDR podcast. Um, appreciate you guys for listening. We're still looking for a sponsor. So if you are one of the 300 and what, 19 listeners who listen to us and have a sponsorship, let us know. Also on Twitter, we're doing picks for baseball, for the World Baseball Classic, basketball and hockey. So Keep us on that. And if we make you some money, you want to donate some back to us, let us know. Other than that, hope you have a good week because we will and we'll see you next week.